0: What is going on, everyone? Episode 91 is brought to you by On It. If you've listened to the podcast, you probably know what On It is. If you haven't listened to the podcast and you're not aware of what On It is, you need to get on it. You see what I did there? It is a total human optimization platform. They have supplements, they have nutrition, they have fitness apparel, fitness gear. They have content, audio, video, written word, a variety of things. If you go to oniton-n-it.com slash hot, you're going to land at the Cleared Hot landing page. And it's going to show on that front page some products that I use. Quickly, Alpha Brain, it's nootropic. Use it occasionally. Eh, I'd say more than occasionally. I don't try to use it every day, though, because I do notice a difference, and I want it to work when I want it to. For me, I find it's I have better word recovery. If I'm trying to figure out a way to describe something or talk in a particular way, it helps me grab those words out of the ethernet of my brain. Underneath that, the total human packs, day and nighttime, vitamins, minerals, everything you're going to need in a day in a night pack. MCT oil, some really good oil supplementation, pure premium MCT oil with some lauric acid in there. Put it in your coffee, start small, don't go crazy. And as always... I don't want anybody to buy anything uh, in the hopes that they are supporting me or the podcast. What I would rather you do before you spend a dime is dial in your life and focus on your lifestyle and the macro portion of your life, your training, your diet, and your recovery. Then after you've done that, if you want to dive into the micro, which in my opinion at least is what the supplementation is, and you want to support the podcast, and only then, don't do this before you do that, Go to Onnit.com slash hot and go to town. You're going to get up to 10% off when you check out if you start your searching of the website from Onnit.com slash hot. They're an awesome organization. I was using their stuff and buying it full price for years before they reached out to me, before I had a relationship, and I can't recommend them highly enough. And that's it on the business side of the house for episode 91. My guests today are a husband and wife dynamic duo. That's, that's what I'm going to call. I'll probably pay for that later. They are the co-owners of SBG Montana, which is the jujitsu gym that I train at, or I try to train at every single day that I'm home. SBG stands for Straight Blast Gym. And it is, SBG Montana specifically, is one of three in the Flathead Valley. I'm feel like I'm incredibly fortunate to have landed somewhere that has three amazing gyms that I can travel around. The coaches there are unbelievable. And the reason we wanted to sit down today, or the reason I wanted to sit down with them today, is that a topic that comes up often in jiu-jitsu, for me at least, or I hear people talking about it, and it seems to be a resonating or resounding theme, is adversity. And we talk about this a little bit on the episode, but I've been at at Jiu-Jitsu for, I think, 13 months now, so a year and one month. And here's what I can tell you so far. It's not comfortable very often. You're going to be in positions that are compromising, and other people are going to be trying to basically choke you to death. There's no personal space whatsoever, and for some people that takes more time to get used to than others. You're going to fail probably more likely than you succeed. And all of those things, those three things I just talked about, would fall for me into the category of adversity. And that is why we, Travis and Kisa and I, sat down to talk. Specifically, adversity when it comes to kids and the value of adversity and seeking adversity as opposed to shying away from it and trying to round or nerf the corners of the world, which doesn't happen in the real world. It only happens in a controlled environment. And at some point, you have to leave that controlled environment and you're going to get kicked square in the teeth if you think that the rest of the world is going to respect their boundaries that you have been raised in. Now, all of that was my personal opinion. Feel free to disagree with it if you want to. One of the things I love about SBG, and specifically the SBG gyms in the Valley, the Flathead Valley where I live, is they have an amazing kids program designed around adversity and not running from adversity, tackling adversity. And I'm just going to shut up at this point because... Kisa and Travis do a much better job talking about the program, why they created it, the impacts they've seen in their own kids, and we talk about a lot more than just children's adversity as well. We talk about, you know, it's easy, I think, in the world of social media to portray only the highlights, and I've talked about this before, where if life is a sine wave, you only talk about the peaks and you kind of disregard the valleys. I really appreciate people who are willing to sit down and talk about both sides of the coin, the good and the bad. As far as my life goes, there's equal, if not more, bad than good, and I think the difference is some people are just not willing to address that, especially in a public forum. And again, I'm going to shut up and let them talk. Episode 91 with Kisa and Travis Davison. Enjoy.
1: Okay, got the red smoke. north or south. West of the smoke. West of the smoke. Okay, copy. West of the smoke. I'm looking at danger close now. Come on with it, Give it to me. I need it. You're clear hot. Copy, clear hot.
0: Where would you like to start, Kisa, on your very first podcast ever?
2: Well, I'm going to take another sip of coffee. Let's start there.
0: Good. Dudley would approve. He's he's crushing you right now, Travis. He's up by at least four.
3: Uh, yeah, but uh, but then we I have got, next week. I got something special next week. <laughs> What's next week? I'm so, going out to the Proctor to do a podcast with Frankel and possibly my brother. And uh, I forgot to tell you that Philippe's coming in too, so it's going to be Dudley's dead.
2: Dudley's dead.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: But dudleys he's the number one return guest. I think, I know what we want to talk about. I think we should start with how you guys met and your journey through jujitsu. Start tell
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it.
2: I don't think that's a good idea
3: i'll let I'll even let you tell the story because uh, here's the thing right okay, obviously I'll tell the story.
0: it it was it was a fairy tale. everything just fell in together. There was no struggle, no hardship whatsoever. Tell us the story of how perfect it was of mm. creating the gym and how
2: oh okay, we'll fast forward <laughs> to that part.
0: you can tell you can <clears> tell whatever story that you would like to tell.
2: Once upon a time, a long time ago, in a land far away...
0: This is how all good stories start, by the way.
2: I met... Well, he wasn't that handsome. Still not. Well, I was talking about my boyfriend at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's messed up. (laughs) I was dating this guy named Chris. Yep. Who introduced me to Travis. And in fact, insisted that because he didn't want to go to see the Reverend Horton Heat one night... Uh, he said, well, you should call Travis, because I'm sure Travis is going to that show. And then we got married, had four kids, and here we are.
3: Perfect. She left a (laughs) comment. I was going to say, did you want (laughs) to fill in any of the gaps, Travis? (laughs) We could, we would take up the whole podcast if we were to tell the actual story, but... Well, I I want to tell a little bit of
0: it, because I know we're going to talk about adversity in kids and all of that and obviously everybody's life is filled with adversity and i think the story of how we or how you guys ended up here and creating the gym and the move all that stuff is awesome and it ties
3: Uh, so i'll kind of skip over the the relationship stuff then because i i I, it's a cool story it's kind of sword but uh i don't think it's important for what we're talking about so ultimately what happened is um keith and i met i was uh just graduated uh college in eugene oregon um, she had graduated from KU and was Rock Chalk Jayhawks. M- moving to Eugene, uh, her boyfriend that she mentioned, Chris, was doing undergraduate research in the same lab as me. Because um, your degree is in biology, right? Correct. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, we worked uh, in physiological ecology together, working on pitcher plant mosquitoes and pupation in pitcher plant <laughs> mosquitoes based on circadian rhythms, and it was. Anyways, um, so. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> here's the thing is uh, so uh, Can't I. I need
2: to see Travis in a lab coat.
3: I quickly discovered that uh, academia was not for me. I'd been accepted to get my PhD at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. Uh, I'm just going to say that if you, you had a master's, right? No, I got a bachelor's degree from the University of Oregon, and then I uh, was going straight into a PhD program at, at the University of Virginia.
0: I'm not going to say that that's quickly realizing that academia is not for you.
3: Well, yeah, I was a slow learner, but... Uh. You eventually <laughs> realized,
0: for me, in high school, <clears throat> my first day of high school, I realized that academia is not for me.
3: Yeah. It was like, that, yeah, but you that were, was quickly. You, you learn faster than I do. <laughs> Maybe at some things. Yeah. And uh and, and, and I met, and the funny thing was, I did a full 180, so I went from a full-ride scholarship and stipend to uh, working graveyard at Chevron pumping gas, and uh, tattoo apprenticeship. Um, Kisa and I moved to Portland. Um, we got married. Uh, Kisa within the first month of marriage, got uh, pregnant with our first child, uh, Ted. At that point, I was sweeping out houses on construction sites for $8 an hour. We were living in an apartment, and Kisa was doing uh, temp. She started out as a temp, uh, a temp through... Can't remember the name of the company. GST. GST. The
2: telecom company. Before that, I worked. I was in education, and when I was at the after Ku, I was at the University of North Carolina working on a literacy grant through Americorps. So I had a background in education.
3: So we um, had Ted. Uh, I'd worked my way up from sweeping out houses to uh, superintendent, where I was actually running the entire job site. So I was a, a big step up, and Kisa had landed a full-time job at New Edge Networks mm-hmm. in Vancouver, Washington, and I think that was doing DSL, a um, startup company. And the first kind of real significant trial I think either one of us faced in our lives was with our son um, because uh, he started having uh, seizures as a, as a baby, and I still remember vividly going into um, OHSU and meeting Dr. Shimshock. And on our very first visit, uh, he comes back into the room. And and we had been led to think that it was maybe not that big of a deal when we were in in Grant's Pass when it started happening. And he comes back into the room and pretty much tells us in a deadpan voice and face, well, best case scenario, he's going to be severely mentally retarded. Worst case scenario, he's going to die.
2: Wow. he was six months old and he was our first
3: and, and we'd uh, been
2: married for you know.
3: six months <laughs> no. well no uh 15 months yeah, yeah 15 months but um yeah so that was man talk about uh just gut-wrenching i didn't know how to deal with it we were young too at the time i mean we were 26 years 26. old and um 25 um that basically ultimately the 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 stress and and the things that came with that diagnosis um, led to our first real strife in in our relationship as well. Which, if you if you look at the the research on uh, parents of special needs children, the uh, separation rate is
2: eighty percent divorce rate. Eighty
3: eighty. Is it percent? really? It's actually
0: not surprising because as you're as you're yeah. talking through that, I can just imagine. Being well, a parent, getting that information, you have zero control over it, but you're 100% committed. Yep. And then the the battle that could occur from the stress of dealing with that.
2: And it, being as young as we were and as early in our marriage as we were also, we had never really been in that situation, like Travis said, where I didn't know how he was going to react yep. to adversity, and he didn't know how I was going to react. And Travis – balled up and shut all communications off and I went like manic haywire everything was clean everything was organized there were notebooks (laughs) there were dividers
3: it's a a true story and (laughs) and honestly it was an extreme example of who we are personality wise I mean it, it came out like her her anal retentive just super organized reading everything she could possibly read about it And then my just complete isolation, martyr, whatever. Deal with it all on your own. Put it on, put all the weight on your shoulders. Yeah. Make it harder on myself on purpose by making everybody else's life miserable. And, um,
2: this is, I'm only laughing because it's 20 years later, but when we were in the hospital, we had to do like a 48 hour EEG and Ted had to be monitored. So he's remember he's six months old. He's a baby. He's just learned to sit up. And, uh, I remember I went to the bathroom and I came back in and Travis was sitting holding him crying and Ted was laughing, like happy. Travis was crying and I grabbed it from him. I was like, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying?
3: First of all, we both know I don't cry. (laughs) Well, you've said you cry in the shower so nobody can tell. I think I cry in the shower, but I'm not even sure. (laughs) So
2: you must have been just sweating heavily out of your eyes.
3: There was a, a lot going on at the time. Uh, wh- one of the significant things that happened is we, we would have to get a, a steroid from France because it wasn't FDA approved yet. And, of course uh, it wasn't. came from the human pituitary gland. ACTH. And uh, it was an intermuscular injection. Fortunately, I had uh, eight years as a vet tech where I was doing injections and things like that because we had to do it at home. And so twice a day, we'd hold down our six-month-old baby and... The stuff looked like honey, like it was a very thick solution that you kept in the fridge. Super viscous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for people who don't know, intermuscular injections versus like subcutaneous are painful, right? Because you're sticking the needle into the muscle and then you got to push all that in there. So that was not uh, enjoyable every morning and every night to hold down your uh, son and uh, inject him like that.
2: 29 days. But... The good news is that on day nine of that 29-day treatment course, the seizure stopped. He was seizure-free for 10 months.
3: Long enough for us to decide to have another baby. Which... Turned into two.
2: (laughs) So I'm halfway through a pregnancy with twins. Ted starts having seizures again.
3: With a vengeance. uh,
2: It was awful. It was awful.
3: And the significant part of that was... One, he says pregnant with twins, but two, when the seizures came back the second time, he started going backwards in his development. So at that point he was talking and mm-hmm. walking.
2: He had a full, in addition to his, uh, his verbal vocabulary, he actually had a full sign language vocabulary that we had started when he was six months old. Cause we didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. when our neurologist is saying there's a, an 80% chance of severe mental retardation, um, you know, we, we don't know why the seizures are happening, but you should go to whatever lengths to just prepare for the worst case scenario.
3: And so he actually started to lose his ability to speak and walk. And so we're actually watching him regress, which, I mean, that was awful. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> Kees is on bed rest towards the end of the pregnancy. Uh, he's on the ketogenic diet, which everybody's familiar with now. But back then, we were—he was on the ketogenic diet for seizure control. Yeah. Nowadays it's like one of the hip diets. You know, changing all the time. But I do keto now, but also with sugar.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, it's sweet. I'm, I'm on the
0: paleo carb diet. Same. Yeah. yeah.
3: Keto, but also with carbs and um, processed food. It's fine.
2: It's fine. I'm sure. M and M's.
1: Whatever.
3: So we had a, a scale at home, and uh, I had had to weigh out all his meals. He was in daycare at the time because I was working full time and, and, and she was on bed rest. And, um, man, it was just every day was, was a challenge to the point where I look back at that phase of our life and, honestly, I can't even remember most of it because it was just such a blur. Yeah, you guys were in the trenches. Yeah.
2: The, the ironic part of that was that, remember how we dealt with it the first time, right? Travis went into isolation. I went into hyper- organized control mode. And then when they happened the second time, I couldn't get out of bed. I was allowed one hour out of 24 hours out of bed total. So I had to be horizontal the whole time because at that point I was only 26 weeks pregnant and they wanted to at least wait till I was, well, they wanted me to at 38, but that wasn't going to happen. And so this guy who wants to be in isolation, now he's got to be the hyper organized control mode. And it was by circumstance that We couldn't go to our old evil ways of managing stress. So,
3: yeah. And and I should, you know, in full disclosure too, mention, I, we left out a big piece the first time he started having seizures, which is we pretty much were going to get a divorce. Um, I think the the conversation already started. I know Keith had already met with an attorney. Um, I basically told her, no, um, (laughs)
2: This With his arms crossed over his chest. And that's, we, that's a serious And fact. we
3: spent a few thousand dollars on marriage counseling. And honestly, I think that was um, probably one of the, the biggest factors in us than being able to have a healthy relationship going forward. But, it, you know, I, I think had we not spent that time with that counselor and really put the work in up front, because people don't know, marriage is
1: Fucking It's hard. hard.
3: It's super it okay hard. Is it okay? This is the internet. Okay, you can say whatever you, you can want. Say whatever you want. Yes, I don't cuss, so it does. I don't cuss on the podcast because I don't cuss in real life. But yeah,
2: me
1: neither.
3: Um, so yeah, with that, you know, she's ready to move out, and you know, it was it was a disaster. Um, you guys were still in your mid to late twenties at that point. Oh, that was the twenty six when we twenty
2: six. Yeah, we got married at twenty four. Mm-hmm. Ted at twenty five. Divorce number one at twenty six. The twins at twenty seven
3: yep divorce yep. number two at 28 and the twins <laughs> Joe are- at
2: 29 are you picking up a pattern here
3: <laughs> the, the, the twins were something else too right because they were holy premature shit. and uh, it's the weirdest thing because when you you have a baby normally you cross your fingers and hope they sleep through the night when you have premature twins you're instructed that you have to wake them up every three hours so whether they're really? sleeping or oh every two was every
2: it? two hours for the first month
0: and to feed eat.
3: them oh so that sounds
0: amazing. It was as Kisa makes the poke herself in the <laughs> eye <laughs> motion.
3: <laughs> you don't have a sound effect for that. I don't. I'll, I'll get one though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was that was another challenge. Was was the twins, and then you know, baby Joe was an accident. So
2: oh, don't say that.
3: It was a happy mistake
2: actually I was unplanned I, perhaps well the unplanned pregnancy happened before baby joe and I was 14 weeks 15 weeks along and had a miscarriage and uh my ob doctor sang bless her heart she said listen no sex no baths no tampons three weeks that's all you got to do three weeks I said okay no problem nine, for her no nine, problem for her
3: right.
2: <laughs> nine <laughs> days later one time we had sex one time And that's baby Joe. So.
3: Yep. Failure to uh, follow instructions. Yeah. FFI. I finally learned my lesson after the vasectomy (laughs) when they also told me no sex for two weeks or whatever it was. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I got this. Oh, boy. I think it was like day three or four. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. And. Just for anyone out there listening to this who hasn't <laughs> this yet a had a vasectomy, me but might be thinking about getting one, get it. It's great. However, it feels like a hangover in your balls if you don't follow directions. It will be the worst experience of your life. A hangover in your balls. Yep. You know that kind of throbbing headache yeah. that lasts all day? That's the one.
0: I mean, I'm fortunate not to get hangovers, but I can imagine.
3: (laughs) 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 And uh, so, in parallel with all that, so so we've got four babies now. So we have four kids under four. And wasn't there a move somewhere in here as well? So that's coming, and they're all in diapers. They're all on formula. We're just both of us are just working our butts off. We we started our own business at this point because
2: that seems like a smart thing to do.
3: Yeah, because, you know, that's how you get rich. <laughs> yes, I that's it's a one-step uh, strategy. Start business, uh, get rich. Yeah. So we started Nidus Homes in uh, Camas, Washington, and things were going great for a while, and it felt like everything was growing, and it was too quick, and uh, we weren't, you know, being vigilant and, and doing...
2: We were 29.
3: We weren't capable of doing all the yep. things within the business that needed to be done, and we weren't... Smart enough then to hire people to do the things that we couldn't do. Uh, ultimately, that uh, business went out of business. Um, Which is extremely common. And
2: well, and it also coincided with the big housing bubble.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Back in probably the 06 to 08 range. Yeah. yeah. And um, so um, we felt like failures again. Um, and this was the kind of the third divorce period, because now Joe's a baby, and we're both kind of depressed, angry. I think we're we're blaming each other a little bit.
2: A lot. For the failure. I it was mostly your fault.
3: I mean, because we were working together, right? And that's the the other. So we're married. We start a business together. It's a bunch of silly stuff. Um, Ultimately, that's what led to us coming to Montana. At that point is when we, um, I, I went back to work for my dad. Um, and Kisa s- started selling real estate. Well, she was already selling real estate, but she made that her focus. And uh, then we had an offer to come to Montana and build a subdivision in Evergreen, and Kisa could list all the homes, and I would get a percentage of profits, and I got a comfortable salary and a truck and a gas cart and, and health insurance, insurance for my kids. And we're like, yes. Let's go to Montana. And nobody knows us here, so there's no embarrassment. <laughs> we walk into a supplier, they're like, Oh yeah, you're the guy who went out of business and
2: Now let's let's backtrack a little bit. Because it is I mean, failure is embarrassing and there's some there's a lot of shame wrapped up in that, especially when there's fighting. For some
0: people there is. Others will fail and they skip the shame part, which is why I think they repeat their mistakes over and over again. For sure. They don't have that reflection period where they it hurts to the point where they don't want to leave their house. So they just wake up and say, oh, screw it. I'll just do the same thing again.
2: And it's when there's money involved and money that you owe people involved, then for us, that was probably the most shameful part of it. We always make good on our word. And then to know that we couldn't, that we, you know, we were so strapped. and, And I think also being at that age, it's hard to see much farther than today in the future. So when we moved to Montana, Actually, when we shut down Nida's Homes, we had almost half a million in debt. And by the time we moved to Montana, we had paid it down to where we had 21,000, I think, was left.
3: So, And we had to go, you know, that was the, the, the part that was so hard. And what you're talking about with the reflection, there was no way for us to avoid it. Because basically what happened was we had homes that were almost complete that were spec homes that were for sale. And we were relying on the sales of those homes to make good on our debt. Well, as subs and suppliers, they have lien rights on these projects. So I basically had to drive and sit down in person face-to-face with these guys and say, look, I'm going to pay you what I owe you, but trust me, please don't lean this job. The only thing they had left would be to put a lien on that house to ensure that they eventually got paid. But if they did that... Keith and I wouldn't be able to, s- to sell the house yep. and we wouldn't be able to pay them ourselves. And nobody leaned any of our projects. But I'm, no, one. that wasn't a lean. That was, we had one supplier and it was for like the smallest amount, it was like $4,800 or something. It was, I, I could just say what it is because it went out of it. Omega. Omega doors and windows. And uh, they sent us to collections. And so Fuck we had those guys. We had, uh, we had that. So I dealt with the collections company when we moved here, got them paid off, but um, it was sitting down with like my excavator sitting down with my uh, lumber supply person and basically just asking them for mercy, you know, and that was really, really hard. Um, And fortunately for us, they, they had faith in us. They, they trusted our um, word And we were able to pay them all off and it it was a, it was a long process. So it wasn't, it was not something where we could be like, okay, bankruptcy done and let's go start something else. Yeah. Put it in your rear view mirror and just Mm -hmm. plant your flag somewhere else. No. Yeah. It wasn't, unfortunately, wasn't that easy or fortunately, but
2: fortunately. and, And part of that was because it was the excavator. So it was him and we know his kids and we know his wife and we know these, these individuals who own these companies and the last thing we wanted to do was to screw them because of our bad decision. So we learned a lot from that. Yep. I'm glad it's over with.
3: And so we got up here and, and, um, thought fresh start, you know, the hardest part for, for me. And I, and I, I think Kisa as well, because she had a really close yoga instructor in campus, um, Paul, and, and that became, that got her through the depression of, uh, the outlet. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, for me, of course, I had jujitsu, and, and I had Matt Thornton and my brother and, and my circle of friends. And were you doing jiu-jitsu all through the
0: story that you guys have told so far? Or the timeline? I yeah. wasn't yet. Uh, yeah, you she, were resistant, though.
1: Well.
3: We'll get to your resistance yeah. later. But she was doing yoga in place of, <laughs> yeah. where, where I was doing jiu-jitsu, she was doing yoga. Now, not on the same scale, because that was another divorce that almost, you know, there's a whole other story about how much time I spent at the gym, the gym back then and, and, and away from the house and, and yep. stuff.
2: 32 hours a week, but who's counting?
0: Well, I saw a good meme the other day that said jiu-jitsu is just involuntary yoga, so they're tied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's true. It's the subtle art of folding clothes while people are still in them. <laughs> exactly,
3: <Right>. which which <laughs> makes it more powerful than yoga. Yoga, you have... You, oh, here we go. <laughs> it, yoga, it's hard. Like Physically hard, for sure. It's physically hard and mentally hard. You can achieve the same place, but in jujitsu, you have no choice. Like what you just said is why jujitsu. It's easier to get into zen with jujitsu because when I jump on top of you, you can't help but stop thinking about your grocery list. In yoga, they say, "Okay, quiet the fluctuations of your mind," and it's like, unless somebody's trying to kill me, yeah, it's tough. To I do. can't quiet my mind, and so jujitsu for me was way easier because. There was no space in my head for an hour while, you know, choking or being choked. Your yeah.
2: toughest opponent is always you. Right. And in yoga, that's the only thing you have. That is your only opponent. So it makes it a little bit more difficult.
3: It well,
0: my lack of flexibility would also be an adversary. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that, that and it's really embarrassing when there's like a 70-year-old lady in there crushing handstands, and I'm shaking <laughs> yep. and sweating. That's not cool.
2: That's actually yep. my favorite part as an instructor. <laughs> Uh, So then we get to Montana and everything's good. We got a sweet deal. We're building things back up. We've paid everybody off. Like we finally are back to kind of liking each other again. Uh, Kids are doing great.
3: I had started teaching jujitsu on the side. You know, I got a little circle of buddies and um, we're having UFC parties at the house, just like the good old days in in Portland.
2: And then 2008, the market finally actually falls apart, completely falls apart. So we get a phone call the Tuesday before Thanksgiving that he's lost his job, all of the benefits, the salary, everything. And yep. I'm not selling anything. It's the dead of winter in Montana, and I'm new to town. There's no relationships. We're not building any houses in the subdivision. Yeah, we like,
3: moved here not knowing anybody. I didn't even know Montana existed. Like what they said Kalispell, I was like, what the heck is Kalispell? Two years ago, July 1st, we crossed the border. I didn't know anybody either. Well, we knew yeah. one
0: person, Uh Jamie's aunt, who was the head of the human resources for the school district. Oh, Other right. than that, I was like, hey, Montana, <laughs> what's <laughs> up? You go to the
2: grocery store and get all friendly with the, tel- with the checkout ladies just to have conversations. That's yeah. what I did. No. You don't do that? No. That's what I did. Made a lot, a lot of grocery store trips just to have conversations with adults.
3: Yeah, so needless to say, the um, the scariest part is having four children. So I think at the time we moved here, Joe was four. The twins were six, and, and Ted was uh, eight. Close, but you no. got those all wrong, yeah. Correct me, please.
2: Joe had just turned four. The twins were five, almost six, and Ted was seven, almost eight.
3: Well, I almost got it right. Yeah. Um, And so when we lost the health insurance, that was the most significant thing, because Ted's medical bills, like the year he had brain surgery, a $100,000, you know, and we go through. It was more than that, but. Well, yeah. but I mean, we uh, what do we average a year with Ted's medical expenses?
2: Well, our whole family now it's thirty thirty two to thirty four thousand a year is what we pay for medical and between insurance premiums, medications, deductibles, co insurance, and then all the stuff that's not covered.
3: That's insane. Yep, and the most significant thing was we had him on a drug at the time that was working. Uh, Viga- it was Vegabitrin. Yeah. Uh, again, coming out of Canada it right, was not FDA approved and um the prescription was two hundred bucks a month, and it's not covered, so that was significant just fine
2: when you have you're like, okay, we'll we just add two hundred dollars more to our budget. Oh wait, we don't have any income
0: yeah, when one of the tables in the Excel spreadsheet goes to zero rapidly yeah. it
3: changes things for sure yeah and and I don't remember she keeps track of the numbers better than I do, but what was my unemployment?
2: Uh now you put me on the spot. Uh $864
3: a month. Mm-hmm. A month for a family of no, six. No, no, no. Twice twice a month. Okay, every two so weeks. 1700. 7, $1, 1700 bucks a month for six people. Yeah. It's still under or it's right at 20,000 a year. Yeah. You can't make that work. Yep. I don't care how resourceful you are at that point and
2: Montana has a great uh kids insurance program so the kids we, I quickly put the kids on
3: Chip, uh, right? Yeah, oh.
2: Healthy Montana Kids. Um it just It's a great program, but when you've got a kid like Ted who has this complicated uh, medical situation, it just requires a lot of paperwork and a lot of phone calls. And it's—I mean, it was a—it's taking managing Ted's health is a part-time job for me. Just still to this day, he's 19, and it always has been. But the scariest part was how on earth are we going to put food on the table? We have nothing. We know no one. It's the dead of winter. It's the middle of a recession. There's zero money in our savings account there's zero money in our bank account the last you know we definitely weren't going to ask anybody for anything like we're adults we have four kids we got to sort this shit out ourselves so
3: yeah so that uh, i still remember because we were we were renting a house in the subdivision that we were building and and selling it we were very fortunate that the the developers there were still uh friends with and they've always kind of been there for Keith and i and um, we're sitting in the office and we looked at each other and basically the conversation was, well, what do you want to do? Cause the, 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 conversation was we could go back to school. Like I had talked about maybe going back to school and becoming a teacher, you know, like a science teacher or something along these lines, we couldn't build houses anymore. The real estate market was pretty much dead. And, um, Kisa had been teaching yoga classes up at the summit and a few other places in town, just as a hobby, mm. as I was doing the jujitsu and we said, well, we could build houses or we could teach Jiu-Jitsu and yoga. And so we opted to teach Jiu-Jitsu and yoga. And we uh, took a very small loan from the, the developer that I was talking about. He loaned
2: us $2,000. Yep. My dad loaned $1,300 and some change to buy yoga props. Yep. And that was it. Yeah. We had unemployment.
3: I, I orchestrated a, a high-level meeting at Moose's Pizzas, <laughs> um, where <laughs> where where I corralled ten of the 10 people of that I had corralled into putting on geese and rolling with me, so I could continue to do jujitsu. And I proposed, yeah. "Okay, guys, if you can each pay this much a month, we can rent this 750 square foot cinder block building on First Avenue." Or
2: If you'd like to pay in full, oh yeah, one low handsome price of (laughs) I can't remember for a year.
3: It was was a year. It was a thousand dollars and something. And two two of the people there wrote us checks for a thousand and something dollars. And these were young kids.
2: Ryan Acey.
3: who still works here. (laughs) He was. He was uh, Zach Dixon. Was he nineteen? Eighteen.
2: When we met him, yeah.
3: Yeah, and uh, and then Zach the Dick Dixon. Um, who, unfortunately, I, you really, I don't think, have had a chance to meet, but he's he's quite a character. He's okay. um, a piece of work. And uh, we took that money, and then the few people that were willing to pay a membership, and we started, and we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> at all. <laughs> no idea. And zero idea how to run a gym. I could teach jiu-jitsu, and she could teach yoga, but it, that's like being a really good cook, and saying, you know what, I'm going to open a restaurant. Yeah. The two things are not the same. Yeah. You don't know how to source the groceries or make a menu <laughs> or. Yeah. There's a
0: difference between coaching and the business side. I, I encountered that when I opened that CrossFit gym in Coronado. Yeah. I have no problem teaching people how to move a weight from A to B and no interest in doing a spreadsheet from A to B to Z to an all like what, why do I have to have insurance? Just don't hurt yourself. What is this <laughs> taxes stuff? I don't like any of these. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, unknown things until you put
3: mm-hmm. your, your toes into that pond. Yeah, uh, And we uh, you know, we were very uh, fortunate. Um, we, we had the right people coming into our life and um, lots of help from, from people. And, and a lot of hard work on our part. I mean, I remember we maxed out credit cards. We we were on tri- trips learning the business um, where we would go to, to different seminars and buying different products from people, you know, trying to, to educate ourselves on, on how to run a successful gym so that we could feed our kids. And um, we'd be on a trip and all of a sudden be like, oh, my gosh, we need this. Keith said, get on the phone with the credit card company and like, can we extend our limit like $2,500? We and
2: gladly pay you on Tuesday <laughs> for a
1: <hamburger> today.
3: <laughs> so we maxed it out yeah. and, uh, you know, it worked, you know, it, it, it's a funny thing when you invest time, effort and money into learning something, um, it actually pays off eventually, but it's not overnight, you know, it's been, it'll be 11 years this December, Safe to say, too, that your earlier experiences
0: and all that adversity you guys dealt with with the bankruptcy, I mean, those are all lessons learned, too. That enables you to feel comfortable.
2: Backtrack. We did not file bankruptcy.
0: Fine. Yes, we have never filed bankruptcy. We're very proud of that. As you should be. Uh, How about this? The adversity that you had dealt with earlier before the move to Montana and that experience that you gain makes you more comfortable when you encounter it again willingly. Because, like, okay, I've been through this before. It's going to suck, but I know I can navigate my way out of it.
3: Well, yeah. yeah, and Kisa probably more so than myself because I think women um, are better. Are better? Period. They are for sure. Just period. They are for sure because not an emotional control. Our as men, our role in the world is is so much simpler than yours as a woman. Like what what you guys contribute to life is so much bigger. Than what, what we what we do. So this
2: is how he tries to get into my pants all the time.
3: He's what he's saying is true. I agree. Um I mean it's just, you know, it's like with the dogs. You know, you the, the females are the the one, mm-hmm. you know. And it's true. What I was getting at though before I get before I was trying to get in your pants was um the kids.
0: Somebody's alarm's going off somewhere. It's just a bomb. I like it. It'll eventually stop. We're fine. Yeah, I think so. <laughs>
3: That's a sound effect. Yeah. Um, the kids were, were, I think, the biggest um, factor in us getting through everything. What? Where is that coming from? <laughs> it's it's like one of
2: our stopwatches that has an alarm set.
3: Does it ever go off or do you have to push a button? Well. You might want to find that.
2: I don't know, somebody should clean this area. There it is, I found it. That's not it.
3: It's perfect. coming <laughs> from this area. <laughs> <laughs> this area. Nailed it. What it was it? I don't know, but I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Back from a brief intermission? For sure. No, I can easily edit that out. It's um, easy. But uh, having the four kids, you know, having children that um, are really your, your only purpose in life at that point. And, and from the moment you have a child, I think they your life has to revolve around them. That's now your role in life is being a parent to that child. And Which... in our case, four children.
2: Which is something I think, I'll, I mean, we interface with hundreds of parents mm-hmm. on a daily, weekly basis and parents who have their kids enrolled in our programs and parents who don't have their kids or maybe come and test them out. And it's easy to see in a brief conversation, I can tell 30 seconds into a conversation with a parent, are they devoted to that child or is that child an appendage to their life? And it. I mean, Travis makes it sound really simple, but it's actually, I think, a really big step for a human being to take and to decide that they're going to put another human being as a priority. Mm. As, I mean, as a rule, we're just selfish creatures. We have to, you know, conserve our own energy and our own a thought energy, physical energy to, to keep ourselves alive and then to ask someone to do that, no, 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 put yourself to the side and now you're going to focus on this child. It's a tough step for people to take.
0: What are what are the things that you hear people say that allow you to be able to make that determination, whether they're the priority or the appendage?
2: Um, I hear it a lot in parents who ex- want their children to behave a specific sort of way rather than learning who their child is as an individual And figuring out how can I help my child navigate best through these general rules of life. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all have kind of, we have agreements as a society. Okay, we're going to do this. We're not going to do that. Um, But.
0: I don't agree with some of those agreements as a side (laughs) note. Like not
2: killing people randomly. (laughs) I don't. It's not random. I don't. I'm not saying. I have
0: never killed people randomly.
2: I think, but that's a general rule that I think we can all agree on, right? Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, parents will often feel embarrassed for their child's behavior, and that tells me that that parent is too entwined with with that child. We see it a lot in kids who um, are on the autism spectrum too. Parents are embarrassed for what their child is doing or how their child's behaving, and you know, all of us as coaches, we just we're like, no, this has nothing to do with you. Actually, yeah. we're here for your child.
3: Or, yeah. And, and even in a more extreme case, it might not even be a child that has behavior issues or is on the autism spectrum. But, you know, there's a class of 15, 20 kids and us as the coaches on the mat with the kids aren't really even noticing it because we're, we're looking at all 20 kids as a, as a group. And those parents are only looking at yeah. one out of 20. And so everything that that one out of 20 does even remotely wrong they're picking up on whereas the rest of society not just the coaches but the other parents in the lobby they're not even noticing because they're doing the same thing with their own child so
2: my my favorite is when a parent will say well it just doesn't really seem like you know little johnny's paying attention for for the entire class period well yeah he's five and he's a boy and five-year-old boys If I can get them to pay attention for 50% of the time, then that's fantastic. And when it looks like they're not paying attention, they actually are paying attention. They're just picking up on uh, information differently than
0: we do as adults. Well, I'm in my 40s, and I can't pay attention the whole time. (laughs) It's not like it.
2: But you've learned how to kind of uh, mask your inattentiveness,
0: whereas... I hope so. Well, most of the time.
2: Whereas (laughs) kids, they don't. They don't know those rules yet, and so they're still learning them, but... I feel like we got off on a tangent.
0: No, tangents are good. I, I'm assuming when you started the gym, there was there a kids program initially, or were you focusing specifically on adults? Because it can't be the same we started for a young child as it is for somebody in their 20s, 30s, 40s.
2: Well, funny thing. We thought it was. So we opened up a kids program that um, there were four kids. Uh, Ted, Stella, Ricky, Joe were our first four students.
0: Awesome. And They were voluntold, I suspect. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Often. (laughs) Often. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And they, our curriculum was pretty much whatever Travis was teaching the adults that week. He was just teaching the kids the same thing. And we threw in some games. We actually lose Gutierrez um, years and years ago, filmed a couple of DVDs play is the way. And the whole concept is uh, you know, we're just primates and we learn by playing. So let's work these games in to the curriculum. And, it breaks up the time, but you also get gross body movements, you yeah. know, a lot of it things.
0: hides the well, skills and, 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 you're looking
3: it, for in an entertaining fashion for the for kids. Sure. Yeah, and it, and it exists in the uh, animal kingdom too. Right. So, um, if you look across the board at, at, you know, puppies, kittens, you, you, you name it. Um, they're learning to hunt through play as they're young. They're, they're yep. learning all these important skills, but it's all disguised as play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily even disguised. It's maybe that's just their brains are being wired, and that's maybe the best way to, to make those pathways is through play.
2: So we had the adult curriculum with some games, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really quickly that word got out that we had this martial arts program for kids. And pretty soon, um, actually it was shortly after we opened that we had a couple of other non Davisons joined the class, and Travis said, We need to buy you a gi. You need to put a gi on and learn jujitsu. And I was like, Okay.
3: Yeah, that's so that to was you? Yeah. Well, All yeah, right. I needed an assistant, <laughs> you know. Because
0: he actually didn't like kids. Your kids or other people's kids? Because I love my
3: kids. I also sometimes struggle with other people's kids. Yeah. So the... Uh, let's back up for a second. Um, <laughs> I didn't want any kids. Okay. Period. Period. Um,
2: I convinced him, let's just have one.
3: And then she convinced me, let's just have two. That turned into three. Mm-hmm. And then... Joe. You know. But in addition to that, where I was learning jiu-jitsu with Matt Thornton at uh, SBG in, in Portland, Oregon, there was no kids program. So he was running a martial arts school, well, an MMA gym back then. Exclusively for adults. Correct, which is super great, but if you're trying to grow a business, if you're trying to create world champions, you can't start with 26-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, look at all sports across the board. I mean, they start wrestling and football at four and five. Yeah, they're um, peaking in their late 20s, early correct. 30s. Correct, yeah, so... Um, Matt, and Matt would admit this, you know, you can get him on the podcast and tell him, Hey, Travis said you were a terrible business mentor. And he'll say, yeah, you're right. I was back then. So I didn't have the best blueprint for how to run a successful martial arts school. I didn't have any blueprint for running a kid's program because the gym I trained at didn't even have one. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, Keith and I had enrolled, um, Ted and then Ricky and Stella, uh, with Mel Locke in Camas, Washington who had a kid's jujitsu program because I knew that jiu-jitsu was important for children. I just couldn't take my kids to the same place as me. It wasn't available. And so we were taking our children to a separate school huh. at the time that we lived there because I wanted them in there. Yeah. You saw the value of it. Yeah. And so we're paying to have our kids learn jujitsu from somebody else. And when we moved here, um, obviously I wanted to continue doing jiu-jitsu um, and I wanted our kids uh, to be able to continue doing jujitsu, They had already competed uh, when we were living in Oregon, so it's not as if they had just barely gotten into jiu-jitsu. They knew what it was about, and they liked it.
2: Oh, it Ted, the world revolved around jiu-jitsu for Ted, and it, and it turns out it ended up being really one of the best therapies that he could have ever done for neurological purposes, learning uh, left-right coordination, uh, just body awareness, there's a lot of spatial
0: awareness, all those tactile yeah, sensation, tactile feedback, exactly all that. sensory
2: integration development. Um, actually, there was a one of the neurosurgery team at UCLA where he had his brain surgery five years ago. They said, "Oh yeah, you know, no doubt his involvement in jujitsu for starting at age five was for sure why he's so high functioning compared to what his brain scans say he should be."
0: I watched him three days ago pick up a grown man who was in his. <laughs> He was in a grown man's closed guard, and then I looked over, and they were just, he was standing, and the other person was hanging off him, and I said, mother of God, I'm never rolling with his (laughs) head. He's strong. He's strong. Yes, I saw that firsthand. So what would you, I I see the value in it as well with my own kids. What would you guys describe the value is for children? why you decided to create, aside from the business perspective, because obviously I think you're correct, if you want to grow a flourishing business in the future, you might want to start with children, the, the generation that's going to grow For through sure. it. And then I would add to that a, probably a women's program because oh, yeah. the moms are going to probably be the ones that are dropping the kids off, get everybody involved.
2: Mm-hmm. The, uh, when we started the kids program and – I could see, like, this is not going to go very far if we've just got an adult curriculum and a bunch of games. Like, that's not a curriculum for kids. And my thought was always, look, I want to take all the benefits of sports, team sports, individual sports, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, plus the community involvement of, like, a church group or a church organization. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to drive my kids all around town to do all these things and enroll them in a million different things throughout the year. Seven separate activities. Yeah, Times four with four different kids. Um, I just want an all-encompassing child development program, and we're going to help kids develop into better human beings through jujitsu. And that's exactly what we did. And there was a lot of trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, we ended up having to break up age groups. And you have to, you know, pay attention to a five-year-old is very different than a nine-year-old when it comes to not only their ability and skill. Uh, capacity in learning jujitsu, but also how do they do teamwork? How do they learn? What kind of mentorship do they need? What kind of games do they need? How long is their uh, attention span? Uh, you know, w- at what point do we need to ask them to start becoming leaders and not just followers? So, the program that we've put together over the better course of the last 10 years is that it's a child development program. Yes. The benefits are not, I mean, there's some very obvious physical benefits that we all even get as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, Learning how to hip heist was one of the hardest things. I think it took me three years to figure out how to switch my hips. I just was not very good at that. And there's a lot of physical sensory integration that we talked about. But then on top of it, learning how to deal with anxiety, learning how to deal with the stresses of life, learning how to deal with assholes. Um, In any group of 20-plus kids, there's –
0: at least nineteen assholes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was gonna say more like two or three, but you're probably right.
0: And I, sometimes depending people, on their age, it could be mm. twenty out of twenty. Yeah. Now
2: yeah. you now you're talking the teens. Teen class. Yeah,
3: that's yeah. specifically yeah. what I was referencing. Oh, you don't, yeah, you don't have to beat around the bush on that. Like, <laughs> yeah. we, we all know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. The teens are the worst. Um,
2: but the, that's a life skill, right? Yep. You can't just shelter your children from having to deal with that's the bad dream. people in life. You had to teach them how to be resilient and to also still stand their ground and drive forward regardless of what is, else is going on around them. Yeah.
0: Some people take the opposite approach with that. And I, I mean... It's awful. If I had a magic wand, that would be one of the things that I could change about people's perception is not to shield and shelter their kids and That's... to expose them to appropriately, obviously, age-appropriate, uh, maybe task-appropriate or person-appropriate, but... Avoiding adversity is not going to get you anywhere.
2: That's called bad parenting.
0: Yeah. Well, because eventually... And and eventually bad adulting. And that's the problem. And, uh, you know, if you are sheltered from that and taught that your feelings are primary over everything and that your desires are primary over everything, you enter into the real world, in air quotes, and you'll rapidly find out that the rest of the world gives no shits about any of those things. And you're going to get crushed because you don't have that adversity already developed.
2: Right. And... uh, I mean, we run into it a lot. Also, where kids are, they come. They're they're training in the program. Everything's great, puppy dogs and rainbows, and then something happens. They either get a new belt. There's a new new little assholes enrolled in their class. Uh, mom and dad are fighting at home. Grandma and grandpa move in. Uh, like name name the challenge in their yeah. life, and suddenly they start to become really anxious about coming to class. That I don't want to go. I have a stomachache. I don't want to go. You see these these signs of anxiety and kids are, are the same across mm-hmm. the board. And the, then the parents come in and say, well, you know, little Sally just doesn't like jujitsu anymore. And I'm thinking, bullshit. Sally loves jujitsu. Yeah. And she's just having a tough time. So let's all work together to help her through. No, yeah, that's where you no, have no. to
0: actually parent and make, at some point, make right. the decisions and the yeah, worst, get, a, get in the car. The, the
2: just, worst yeah. parents come in and they say, well, I... I don't wanna force her to do something she doesn't want
3: to do. That's my favorite. Right? That's my favorite. Because I, I I I never get to have these interactions. I don't get to talk to parents really. But if I could, I'd be like, so she eats ice cream every night then? Like don't you force her to eat her vegetables? You you tell her no when she wants cake for breakfast.
0: Yeah. If my if I allowed my kids to not go to school every it, day that they didn't 100%. want to go to school, they would so never attend school. right? But
3: but why do you make them eat vegetables or shower or brush their teeth? Because, you know, it's good for them. So yeah. whether they want to do it in that moment is not the point. And, and, and back to what you were saying with um, becoming an adult who then gets crushed in the real world, that's going to happen too. Cause guess what? When you're supposed to be at work, you're supposed to be at work. Yeah. You know, if you, I get it. You don't want to wake up at five tomorrow morning, but you don't have a choice and so just follow through and and children learning that okay i've got to do this anyways it's the right thing to do and i'm going to do it and and that's that's a, a, a big piece of it too
2: and what we what we cheat our kids out of when we succumb to that kind of it, if you just look at for the surface they have a stomach ache they don't want to go they're crying they don't want to go if something happened they don't want to go they don't want to go okay fine we won't go that's not the actual issue the issue is usually something else there. Maybe they are having bad interactions with another child on that. Okay, let's deal with it. Yeah. Maybe they are, um, you know, having a reaction to whatever fighting is going on in the house. All right, let's deal with it. Yeah. And so easily parents will, bad parents will just say, Oh, it's the thing they don't want to do. That's the problem. And I can tell you, hands down, it is not our program. Um, because our program across the board, not just in our Montana gyms, but across the world where this program has been implemented, The program is solid, the coaches are solid, the curriculum is solid, the games are solid, the jujitsu is solid. Now we have to help kids stay involved. And learning how to deal with it, it's so, I feel like this is really, gets thrown out a lot, uh, around a lot these days, learning how to deal with adversity. Um, But the next step I want people to take in this thought process, it's not just the adversity of the situation, it's everything that's going on in your head that makes that situation adverse. So not just the stress of the situation, but the stressors that you're putting on yourself in your mind. So typically when kids break down, it's because they feel a sense of insecurity. Is it insecurity because they're not sure are mom and dad divorcing? Is it insecurity because they don't know what's next? Is it insecurity? I had two spider monkeys yesterday have meltdowns because they looked at the counter and couldn't see the parent that brought them. And I said, it's okay. You know, they're going to be back. We do this every Monday and Wednesday, hold my hand. And so, me as a coach being able to help them through that and to see them through to a, a, a period of success, see, you did it. Okay, now you can do it next time. It's huge.
0: And you guys have been at this a while, too. I mean, so I'm assuming you've seen people. How old are spider monkeys?
2: Five to seven.
3: You're a saint for doing that teaching. That's what, uh, that's, I, so I think that's a spider cute. monkey story from yesterday because I. Kisa does spiders up in Whitefish on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I do spiders here in Calspell on Mondays and Wednesdays. Spiders are actually the best they, age it's group. The, it is the best age group. I have to. I have they're to agree still really
2: that. cute and snotty.
3: They're they're old enough that they have some coordination. They're not like the micro monkeys where their head's so big that they get going <laughs> and it's like, whoop! <laughs> like watching a micro monkey do a breakfall is painful right cuz it's everything's head first. It's just mostly a yeah, the fall. They're just top it's heavy. Just the just, <laughs> their heads bounce off the mat. <laughs> but no, the, the the 5 and 6 year olds um are great. they their personality, I mean, you can see the personalities at that age just they just beam out of the kid. And um I had this one kid, I won't mention her name, but um she is notorious for when she loses, right? Which There's ten kids in class. There's a good chance that she's not going to be the one kid that wins the game every single time. She throws the biggest fit. It's beautiful. Like she runs into the wall, bashes her head into the wall. These are padded walls, by the way, people. (laughs) It's not exposed brick or concrete. (laughs) And so she's gotten. She's she, she. What's awesome about it is she's gotten progressively better. Right to the point where the other kids expect it. They see it, they know her. My assistant coach, Kate, in there, she sees it. We make eye contact, like, here it goes, here it goes. <laughs> it's so great. And I, I'm i bad about making jokes that go above the five year old's heads, but my assistant coaches get. And so I'm like, yep. And my, again, I can say her name. I, I want it really bad. But um, I was saying, well, see, we got to figure this out in here because when the boy that you want to go out with says, no, it won't be great if you smash your head into the restaurant wall. <laughs> And, you know, if you don't get accepted to the college that you want, you know, running into a wall is not going to fix that either. So, and so yesterday she got out and we were playing ship to shore and I sent her to the wall and she did it. She went to the wall, she sat down and I was like, awesome. And I even told the other kids, I'm like, see, she's getting better. And I said, you know what? You're back in today. Free life because you actually didn't throw a fit today. And that's just a, a really small, small milestone, but, but that it's can very, have an incredible impact on the but rest of her life. But it's 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 hugely rewarding for me. Like it's the job of, of coaching kids is so powerful, and 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 little things like that that happen every week for me are awesome. Like to watch a kid who struggles with her temper and is a poor loser or sore loser, watching and helping them work through that is awesome. Well, you guys have been at it long enough to see children to include
0: your own go from very young to, I mean, your kids are you know, essentially age wise functioning adults. I'm like I said, in my forties and I don't think I'm a functioning adult. So they're largely ahead of me, but it has to be, it has to be rewarding and fulfilling to see them go through that journey as well. I mean, the impact that it has had on their life for sure. Like uh, Gus is a good example.
2: Little Gus, sweet little Gus. He's not little. No, (laughs) that's my
0: point.
3: As I bet he started, you say that because he started out little. Yeah. He was one of the first ones, I think. He was, uh, what was he, six or seven when he started?
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: And I I have to assume that you guys get feedback from the parents, too, on the impact that it has on
2: their life. Oh, yeah, for sure. What
0: kind
3: of stuff do you guys usually hear from them? I have uh, one that sticks out in my mind, um, but we get a a lot of them. In fact, we just got one when we sent out our surveys uh, this year. but. Mm -hmm. We had one kid. He was probably, at the time, and maybe still, was the most difficult child that I've ever dealt with. Uh, His parents were very intelligent people. Uh, His father was a a doctor, um, and he was an only child. Uh, And they were older parents, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. older. And and, and so, like the the little girl that I was speaking about, um, he was a sore loser as well, but in a very malicious and... um, he was one of those kids where if you turned your back or if he thought the coaches weren't looking, he would maybe pinch a kid or you know just do something uh, yeah, little kick. bully behavior. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. but but behind your back sort of thing. And you know the coaches would even be like, oh, you know, and and but anyways, he stayed in the program for years and he got better and better. It was a lot slower than it was with with this this five year old that I was just speaking of. It was a very long process. But it was, you would see the gradual improvement. And I remember one day his grandpa, because his grandpa used to come in all the time. And uh, his grandpa came in and to my face with tears in his eyes. And his grandpa was a a well-to-do person in the community. And he, uh, he said, thank you so much. You saved my grandson's life. And I was just like, whoa. Like... It's one thing to have a parent say, you know, you've 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 helped my kids so much. They're so much more confident, or they're they're so much more helpful around the house, or they're not picking on their sister anymore. Like that's all fine and dandy, but to have a grandpa come up and 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 with tears in their eyes tell you that you saved their grandson's life, that's big. It's powerful. Yeah. So.
2: And that, again, that's back to what we were talking about before, how hard it is for us when, when parents do come in and say, you know, they just don't want to come today. Like, no, no, no. You're thinking about this moment, this day. We're thinking about the next five years. Yeah. You know, we we have, and maybe it is because we've been at this a long time and our kids are now teenagers that um, we're less caught up in the, the day-to-day struggles and we are looking more long-term.
0: Well, your perspective is different. You have more laps around the sun than a you know, yeah. small child.
2: When I, I'm thinking about the five-year-olds, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds in my spider monkeys class as, okay, what kind of teenagers do I want to interact with? What kind of adults do I want to interact with? You know, if this mm-hmm. if this person's going to be working at the bank, you know, and I'm going to have a business relationship with them, how do I want them to be dealing with me as an adult? Okay, now I got to put these pieces into place here on the mat when they're five.
3: Yeah, and that, and that's the that's the thing, too. We remind our coaches all the time as well when they get, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, it, it is... Teachers know what, what we're talking about. Daycares know what we're talking about. Working with large groups of children every single day is challenging. It's tough. It's not. That's not an easy job. It's very rewarding. And if you can continue to remind yourself that the work you're doing is going to have a lifetime's worth of impact. Um, but we joke, I, uh, I joked a lot with Kisa in the beginning because we had the our four kids and we're here in this small valley and it's kind of like we're controlling the aquarium. So it's like, okay, what kind of kids do I want my kids interacting with? When my kids go to a house party as a teenager, which they would, you know, just like all kids. They just did a couple what, weeks ago. What, what kind of teenagers... I never
0: did as a what, child because I was perfect.
3: What, what kind of teens are going to be at that party? Yeah. When when my daughter goes on a date, what, what kind of manners is the boyfriend going to have? Well... In a in a weird sort of way, we can actually have a, a huge impact on that by instilling values and um, life skills in these five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve-year-olds over the next few years, because these are the same kids that my kids end up going to high school with. Yeah, um, and so that's that's also been um, very satisfying to, to know that that we're having an impact on the community as a whole not not just individual children but the the actual environment that 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 they're running into in the high schools and things like that so which
2: it's I mean that's what we're living through right now because our kids are all in high school we've got two who graduated now two still left in high school and the groups of kids that they run around with we either know because they've trained with this Mm -hmm. or you know somehow because it is such a small community um, and we can see the impact. Little Gus is at my house all the damn time. Still. Oh,
3: yeah, <laughs> you were in class when I was joking about the fact that that kid was drinking all my milk and eating all my eggs. Yeah. He'd come to my house at 8 in the morning after swim <laughs> practice. I'd come downstairs, and he'd make himself, like, six eggs. <laughs> I remember being that age. There were,
0: there wasn't enough eggs. No. I would eat all the eggs. <laughs> I was doing water polo practice in the morning and then in the evening and all the food in between, and yeah, before but, and after. And, yeah. yeah.
2: That's our house right now. I can't go to the grocery store often enough.
0: What would, what do you think the impact was on your own children? I mean, does it make you more confident as parents releasing them into the wild for lack of a better term because of the experience that they've already had and the fact that they are not going to shirk
3: away from that adversity? Yeah. I mean, I'll let, um, I'll, I'll talk about just one and then maybe let Kisa say what, what she thinks about the, the other you three. to talk about? I was just going to mention Ricky. Yeah. Um, you know, my, our middle son, Stella's twin brother, mm-hmm. um, I was really reluctant. He's 17 and we had some coaching, uh, open opportunities, open up and they were adult classes and, you know, we, we charge good money for what we do here. You know, we're not cheap. Yeah. Nor should you be. And, um, you know, Kisa was like, well, you should have Ricky teach those classes and my knee-jerk reaction as a dad, dad and business owner was, no, he's only 17. Like he can't, he can't teach the adult classes. These people are paying good money, and they're not going to want a, a teenager teaching them. And then one of my other coaches, too, Coach Leah, was like, he's the best. He's the best coach you have. Like, let him do it. And I reluctantly did it. Um, and it was amazing because I got text messages from like Mike and stuff going. You should be so proud of your son. Like, he commands the room. He is so confident. He knows what he's talking about. He's a fantastic coach. And that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's a, how many 17-year-old boys? Because he's a boy. He's not a man. And how many of them could go into a room of 10 or 12 grown men and and teach them how to fight and speak with authority I mean, that to me was a hundred percent because he grew up doing jujitsu, he grew up in the gym, he grew up learning the life skills that are important to us. He you know, competed multiple times a year for ten years plus.
2: Yep. He's been he's been training since he was five and he'll be eighteen in November. So, I mean that's longer than almost everybody has been training.
0: Yeah. So Which means he's willingly and
3: repetitively seeking discomfort, seeking adversity. Yeah. Every time time it rolls with me, it's guaranteed discomfort. I will smash his face. Familiar with that also? (laughs) Because I have about about a year to two years left of doing that, so I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Yeah.
2: I know John Frankel always talks about how he's such a great training partner for the young kids and the teenagers because he knows one of these days – you know they're going to be in a position to either grant him mercy or not, and I was like, "Fuck that! I will beat their asses while I still can."
3: It's different <laughs> when they're your own. I was going to say, as
0: a parent, there's a part of you that just is like, "I need to beat your ass now." I can't beat.
2: <laughs> I can't beat any of them anymore. <laughs> About two years ago.
3: Chris Howder imparted some wisdom too. I'm not I, I hear smart things all the time. I just n- necessarily follow them. Um, he's like, "Be nice to the blue belts because they will be black belts one day." Yeah. So I'm not, but you know, I, I could say things I could, I I have, um, stories about Joe and Stella and Ted as well, as far as the impact that not just jujitsu, but the environment, the gym environment, the, um, the traveling, the competing man, competing is huge. Yeah. Um, the life skills. I mean, we write a new life skill every month. Um, so we have the, the ability to really, um. do so much more with the kids than, than just teach them a functional martial art. Um, but Yeah, Casey, can you break down
0: the, the program and how it's structured? Or oh. tell me more about your kids too.
2: Well, I'll talk about my kids all day long. Those are my four favorite people in the whole world. But the the program itself, what we finally decided to put together was, again, it's a child development program. And we're just using jujitsu and actually yoga as well as a vehicle and MMA to teach the kids mm-hmm. how to become human beings, decent human beings. So the explorers part of the program is just kind of an entry-level foundations. It's where you get your fundamentals over and over and over again. It's a 30-week curriculum that repeats, repeats, repeats. And it's all it's what SBG is based on, which is just fundamentals. Yep. And then beyond that, once they get into leadership team then we start teaching them how to be good coaches, how to be good teachers, how to take care of themselves, responsibility for their own lifestyle, and then there's also a community service component, how to be good community leaders. Um, that curriculum is about a two-year curriculum, because within that curriculum, they're still part, they're still attending the fundamentals, the Explorers level classes, but they're also starting to, you know, work on those four areas in their chevrons. They're learning how to spar they're um, learning how to they just get a little bit more involved in the actual sport of jiu-jitsu then by the time they get to our submission samurai those are our, com- our competition kids yep. our goal is always to have everybody in submission samurai some kids take a longer path to get there some kids were ready to put sub sammy you know out of the gate because they're just natural born competitors the the submission samurai they do all the same things the leadership team does all the same classes that the explorers level goes to, but now they're more involved in the actual strategy of competition. They also have an opportunity to become assistant coaches. So chimpanzees, our seven, eight, nine-year-olds, are assisting with the micro monkeys or the spider monkeys. Um, Juniors and teens are assisting with those younger age groups as well. That is probably my favorite part of the program because now they have a job. We pay them monkey bucks. They have to fill out time cards. They have to learn how to be coaches. They have to show up on time, dressed out. They have to actually be leaders. So we have some kids. Um, one girl in particular, I'm thinking of up in Whitefish. She's a has always been a phenomenal competitor, but she's also been very self-absorbed. So when she's in a class, oh, I know how to do this. So she totally screws off and disrupts the whole class. When we made her an assistant coach, that's completely changed her whole attitude. She's still a screw off about half of the time, but
3: well, she's still a kid. Yeah, she's yeah. still
2: a kid. So, but now as an assistant coach, she's really learning the art of jujitsu more because she's focused on how to teach spider monkeys. She's my assistant, and she's also learning how important it is to have classroom management and to um, interact as a team. So it's it's such a phenomenal program. I'm, I'm on one hand, I'm really proud of what we've built, and on the other hand, I'm always kind of in awe because just well, to see it take this life of its own has been phenomenal
3: I you know I think one of the things that you didn't mention that is a huge component of what we do here that's different than what um, most martial arts programs is the life skill component and mm-hmm. that for sure is what separates us from like high school sports or even you know five and six year old soccer players so, or whatever all this extracurricular activity is great as far as the they're gonna get the physical exercise. They're gonna, you know, learn about competition, winning, losing. Hopefully, although I'm hearing that a lot of sports they don't even keep score at the younger ages, which makes zero sense to me. But what they're not getting is a life skill every month. Like, okay, this month we're working on courage. Well, what is courage? You know, we're we're, we're teaching them about uh, teamwork or humility and respect, responsibility, all these important life skills that. You know, when you're in school, you're learning math or you're learning English or, but where, where, where do you learn the really important stuff, right? And the, hopefully from your parents, but I don't, I see a lack of that
0: more than an abundance of it most often.
2: And some of that is parents, I think, not having a a framework to, to learn from. So the life skills are technically for the children, but the parents are definitely involved in that life skills. Um, my favorite one is actually this month because I think we touch on, it's not, some of our life skills are very basic respect, but the one for this month is loyalty and we don't talk about loyalty very much as a community, um, because, you know, God forbid we divide and God forbid we, um, disagree with each other god forbid we stick to to the people who have helped us and that's the life skill loyalty is caring for those people who have cared for you caring for the people who um, have made you who you are today and those are interesting conversations to have with five-year olds yeah you know
0: yeah i can imagine
2: especially when you say okay who can name loyalty and they say okay you know i pick on you little johnny uh we're gonna go to my grandma's house and eat hot dogs later on Okay, but let's go back to loyalty. <laughs>
3: I can see that being an answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get some funny ones in Montana, too. I mean, there was a cougar in my yard today. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Exactly.
2: But that's that's our goal is to deal with the tough stuff. So deal with the tears when they're happening. Deal with the bullies when they're in your face. Deal with the hard questions of who do I stick next to? What, what does loyalty actually mean? And how does that look for me as a six-year-old
3: yeah and those those uh life skills that we write every month they you know there's a story to illustrate the life skill and it's age appropriate so there's two levels there because obviously the teenagers don't you know their their story is going to read much different than a five and six-year-old's going to read
2: the teen stories are based on historical figures figures. yeah yeah so we pick someone out so (laughs) loyalty um we had to find I said, okay, I want the loyalty historical figure to be someone in sports. But this sports person can't, so they have to have been loyal to their team. Even when they made it big, they had to stick with the same team. And no criminal record. Do you know how hard that was to find a sports (laughs) figure? (laughs) Even just saying loyal to your team, given the fact that people are
0: traded and, you know, they move around, that would be difficult in and of itself. Add the criminal record, it's... Right. Almost a of complexity. So John
2: Elway was who we came up yeah.
0: with. I'm not a golf fan, so. That's football, Doug. I am aware of that. <laughs> Haven't you figured Even out I that sarcasm that. is my favorite weapon? <laughs> pass you're, your guard you're just, you later. You're, First off, you're, you're not going to pass my you're, guard. You're throwing him softballs. You really are. <laughs> How long did it take you to fall in love with the Jiu-Jitsu?
2: Um, and don't lie to me. I started jiu-jitsu 10 and a half years ago, and I fell in love with it after I competed at Masters Worlds. I was a purple belt. That was two years ago.
0: So eight and a half years of grinding before you truly fell in love with it. Yep.
2: But I continued to show up, and I continued to work through the injuries, the adversities, the stress, the managing, uh, the juggling of everything that I have to juggle just to show up to be on the mat. Yep. I continued to do that because I knew – from watching my kids and other people's kids and adults, that I would be a better person if I just stuck with it.
3: That sounds like our relationship. It's tough from an outside perspective. That, that I
2: would be a better person if we if I stayed married to you?
3: No, just that it took you 18 years to fall in love with it.
2: Full disclosure, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. And at our 15th anniversary, the, wasn't our 15th?
3: I don't know. Is either 18th or
2: 15th anniversary. My gift to Travis was that I finally officially changed my name.
0: That's a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't sure. <laughs> Decade and a half. Yeah. we yeah. on, on that one. Well, you know what, though? I think a mistake that people often make is they would see you on the mat with your brown belt and you're smiling and they see only that. And, it, and it's easy because they maybe they don't know you or they see SBG here in Kalispell or and they, just, they see only that. They don't see the work that it took to get there. And I, I look back at my own life. I got out of the military and had to reinvent myself and figure out what the hell I was going to do. And then I didn't like that job. So I quit and went making six figures overnight to zero and sat there with myself and said, shit, how do I do this? Right. And then did another job and didn't want to do that one anymore. So I reinvented myself again. And again, and again.
2: For sure. And people
0: will sit there and say, oh, well, you're successful. How'd you do it? And I just shake my head I'm like, man, first off, not that successful. And secondly, I'm managing the catastrophes and the mistakes and the errors. And three quarters of my days are shit shows, mm-hmm. but you have to just grind it into dust yeah. and come out on the other end.
2: Again, it's perspective. It's, yeah. you know, what are, what are you actually looking at? What's right in front of you or where you're headed? You know, Stella... um so she's our only daughter, one of the twins, and people look at her. She's a phenomenal athlete. I was going to say savage, she's,
3: but yeah, she is savage. <laughs> she's an
2: amazing human being. I mean, she really is. Yeah. She's
3: straight A student.
2: Well, not anymore, but
3: she got a B. She
2: got a B. A couple of Bs.
3: <sighs> Out.
2: I know, but so she's managing a high level judo competitive judo career. She teaches, you know, uh, she teaches micro monkeys. So three- and four-year-olds, and she'll have a class of 15, 16 of those three- and four-year-olds um, with maybe one assistant.
0: And Full disclosure, there's not enough money in the world for me to do that.
2: Well, it would take a lot to untie you after they were done with you.
0: They're not many of them would survive. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they are vicious humans They have beings. strength in numbers. Yeah. They'll, they'll break you down over full time. Full buds instructor, and the parents would not like that <laughs> at that age.
2: But uh, people don't know this, but when she so still started jiu at five, and she'd been competing for a couple years, and at about seven or eight, she spent en- an entire year, every competition we went to, and I think we went to six that year, she had a full full mental breakdown, mat side, every fucking
0: match full nuclear full like stomach
2: ache crying
0: prior before or after she rolled before Before.
2: so the second they called her name stella step up over here stomach ache tears
0: just anxiety based
2: anxiety competition anxiety just performance anxiety she loves jujitsu she loves competing but she couldn't control it and after the competition was done because you know being the good mother i am i would give her a hug and a kiss and say sweetie you're gonna be just fine shove her onto the mat and I would pull Leah or Amanda, not us, but another coach over and say, please coach her. And we would leave so that she could be there. And she would start the match. And, you know, we'd give the ref like a side eye, like, do not stop that match just because she's crying. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's fine. Yeah. She's going to live. Yeah. And um, that's what it took. It took a full year of that and afterwards i would say do you not want to compete like what's what's your story no i love it i don't know i just stand on the mat i don't know but the fact that we had not only that environment for her to work through this this performance anxiety and she's high strung she's a little bit like me a lot like you things have to be just a certain way and just so and god forbid anyone step out of line um so her being able to to work through that and for us to have this language of jiu-jitsu and the opportunity of competition to work through that is 100% why she is such a phenomenal 17-year-old
3: now. She's awesome. She is. But side note on how she's not awesome and how she's like Kisa, she meal preps, right? Yep. She's always like watching her wake getting ready for tournaments. And so she's does her own grocery shopping. She eats separate food from the rest of the family. She puts stuff in tuppers. And then she has the audacity to leave notes on her Tupperware <laughs> in the fridge, in my fridge, mind you, right? And it'd be like, "Do not touch this; it's Stella's," or Bite me, bro," or you know, just <laughs> all of
0: those things immediately. And t- when if you put "Do not touch this" on there, it's like <laughs> never. Does open that say touch, touch <laughs> that?
2: <laughs> yeah. My favorite one was it was maybe a year ago, and I'm glad this is the interweb so I can really full disclosure show the whole world what Stella's really all about. When she was doing those notes, it was don't touch Stella's mine. Fuck you. That was my favorite one was <laughs> fuck you. I was like, Stella, Strong. Stella.
3: Right out of the gate. Yeah. Like no, no warm no. up or nothing.
2: No. And I think that was like steak that she had sliced and it, it was directed favorite, to you. It was she, her
3: favorite meal for sure. Yeah. <laughs> she has a whiteboard too. And then she, she keeps all these post-it notes for herself, right? Like motivational notes and things like that. And what was the one, uh,
2: Drink water, you dehydrated bitch. Yeah,
3: <laughs> drink water, you dehydrated bitch. Positive self-talk. I mean, an affirmation. It can really.
0: Know.
2: I'm sure all the parents listening to this are going to be.
3: Oh yeah, I want to Relieved kids there.
2: that their coach, their so well,
0: I have a, I have a son who's 18 months from being that age, and I can tell you, he doesn't meal prep. He doesn't put stuff. Does he get up at five in the morning every morning? No,
2: it's because he has a Y chromosome. And not
0: two X's. Potentially. But what I'm saying is though is it I mean, Stella could go into the world right now and she's fine. Totally. Self sufficient. Uh my oldest son, he would probably be okay, but they would be on a different trajectory. His mm-hmm. his uh trajectory would probably be a lower one towards the distance horizon, whereas I think hers is on a steeper curve because she's so self- sufficient i mean it's something to be said from some
2: some of that's just personality for sure right
0: but some of that is also from crying for a year on the mat and dealing with your anxiety and at a young age seeking something that's uncomfortable you know again i haven't been doing jujitsu that long but i mean i can talk about a little bit there's a component of not having your own personal space which can be uncomfortable for people you have to get through that and there's a component you're gonna lose
2: that's why it's I'm so relieved when parents bring their daughters in because I know, okay, we've got this kid for at minimum a year, hopefully Mm. for the next seven to 10 years, so that this little girl can learn how to not panic when someone's on top of her. For sure. How to not panic when she's pinned against a wall or to the mat. How to not panic when someone is breathing and sweating on you and how to escape.
3: And then I and can't then, think and of any it, more powerful
0: skill, and I think it's the most important for 100%. women and girls. I th- and I think
3: the the one part of that that's overlooked, and I agree 100% with that, but when they get done with that, when they get comfortable being on bottom, when they get comfortable being pushed up against the wall, when they get comfortable having people sweat in their face, they walk down the hallway different. Oh, oh yeah. you can I mean, sense it, too. Oh, yeah. People, like, they move out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And that, to me, is really... The most powerful thing that jujitsu teaches—not just the young girls, but the boys, but the, boys the men, all of us—is it 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 grounds us in who we really are. It shows us who we really are, what we're really capable of, what we can handle, and what we can't handle. And we just carry ourselves differently after that. And well, and there's a portion there has to be of I mean I've watched some Grey's Anatomy, so
0: I'm basically a doctor, pretty much. But there has to be some portion of the mammalian brain that can sense that because you can tell somebody who knows how to handle themselves, or I get it from Stella too. Like I've rolled with her a few times, and I slapped her hand the first time and fist bump, and she immediately assumed this posture. I was like, "Oh no," <laughs> <laughs> and came at me with a pace and that I don't know that I was prepared for at the time. It was she's unbelievable. Five
2: three five four. But you, know. you
0: can see it in the way she walks. Oh, yeah. You can see it in the way that she interacts not only with kids but adults. And there's just something in your brain that picks that up in a predator because predators, maybe they have whatever it is in their brain. They're more receptive because they're not looking for her. No. They're looking for people that don't exude
3: that. Yes. They're d- Just like in the wild, they're looking for the young one or the weak one or the injured one. They're looking for s- the one that has something gonna a little You're going to pick off. the one
0: off on the fringe of, yeah. the, uh, yeah. of the herd.
2: But let's, let's take the exact – opposite end of the spectrum, Joe. Joe hates jujitsu. He hates it. He hates it with a passion. (laughs) And And how long has he done it for? Since he was five. (laughs) 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 Um, And actually, I guess he's 16 now. So when he was 14, we let him start to fizzle out. Mm -hmm. 14. He's never liked jujitsu. So from five to 14, we dragged his scrawny little redheaded ass onto the mat and he was a nightmare. I mean, there were so many times that he was either just laying like a starfish flat on his back, refusing to do anything. Starfish guard, yeah. yeah. Or he was would come at someone with a fury and end up, you know, in tears. And <laughs> Leah would have to like scoop him up with a pile of tears off the mat. Or Gus, <laughs> coach Coach Gus, who's in Missoula now, yeah. once had him said, "Okay, Joe, you can do
1: burpees
3: five for the minutes. Whole class.
2: Five minutes of burpees." And Joe was done with that and they had this like stare down and Gus was like, all right, fine, keep going. Joe was like, fine. <laughs> so he did burpees for an hour.
3: <laughs> but that's gonna leave a mark. Yeah. He so, was in tears afterwards. Yeah.
2: But even Joe, who hates jujitsu, who I had just asked him last night, like, what have you gotten out of training? Nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a great teenage boy answer. He uh he carries, absolutely nothing he
2: carries himself completely differently than his friends do and the crowd he runs around with isn't necessarily sports they're you know some of them are wrestlers some of them are soccer players but it's different and so even though he's we had to drag him it was against his will yeah um I, you know so many times countless times i would sit him down and say listen i'm your parent i'm telling you this is what you're going to do because of these reasons if you can string together activities that are going to fulfill these check boxes for me, then fine. You can quit. Yeah. So do you, you want to go play soccer and be in boy Scouts and what church do you want to go to? You know, how are you going to get your life skills? So it was, uh, you know, then he would sulk. I would turn around. He would probably flip me off and then I would drag
3: him back on the mat. flipping you off. Yeah. It, at least in his head. Yeah.
2: So it, it I guess as a coach, it's, I know I'm a good parent because of it was not easy to get all my kids to show up and to do this child development that we felt was important for them to do, but we made them do it anyway. And we stuck with them through the adversity. We stuck with them through all the fits, through the injuries. Um, Ted, after his brain surgery five years ago, he couldn't, he started jujitsu, but then he ended up getting a VNS implanted and... He couldn't do judo anymore, and that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so, okay, how are you going to stay involved with the community? How are you going to continue to get this? All right, fine. You're in boxing classes, and uh, it was just a few months ago he told us that he wants his VNS taken out. It doesn't hasn't really done anything for seizure control. He still has seizures every day, um, but he wants the VNS taken out because he wants to earn his black belt.
3: And that was that's why you're seeing him pick up grown men. What yeah. belt does he know? He's white. He's a white belt. Because, yeah, I mean, he adult was... Adult or kid? Uh, adult.
2: Well, he's 19 now, so...
3: He was, he was I think, orange belt. He was he orange belt Had brain surgery. He, yeah. So, he'll pick it back up pretty quick, and he, he's strong. And watch your feet.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's... His, his, he's got two game plans. Double leg, mount, armbar. That's the game plan he developed for Mel Locke when he was five. And then his newest one is... Uh, pull... No. Is he double leg? He pulls guard and then goes straight to a foot lock.
3: Interesting. Don't let him grab your feet. Tap early, tap often. I saw him catch Coach Leah's foot. Not going to be good. People have been coming after my feet for a while. Well, the the harder it is to pass your guard, the more people are going to attack your feet. I refuse to be one of those people. I will only attack the feet of people who I can pass their guard readily.
0: Well, it seems, and again... You guys know my experience level. It seems bizarre to have your full game plan to be, I need to grab a portion of your body and fall backwards onto the ground. It's Never. Which
3: it's, it's counter
0: to everything we know that's true about fighting. I was going to say, if you do that in a bar and the person has a friend, <laughs> your face is going to get football punted <laughs> through the uprights. It's it's only ever get on top, stay on top. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I understand why they do it. I understand it in the competitive setting, but I think – I don't know, one of the way I look at it, it's like, I'll get to that last. I'd rather actually have the practical application. You know, it's a better way to go. Because the odds of me ever doing that in an environment that is not padded is less
3: than zero. I would be happy if you were in my guard and you decided to attack my foot. <laughs> <laughs> that would make me happy. Be like, thank God he's not on top anymore.
0: Travis doesn't want well, to let me get on top. I almost swept him yesterday. He a did, it was bit. close.
2: You'll never do it again.
3: <laughs> uh, probably not. I don't know. No, it's going to get worse. Not better for me. <laughs> it's That's the problem with being the coach. It's like I can either be a really bad coach and make sure that none of you guys ever have success with me or I can swallow my pride, teach you everything I know, point out mistakes you're making when you're making them and say oh, yeah, this would have worked if you would have done that and then eventually take my lumps. Yeah. Like I have with So makes you a good coach. So many Agreed. people. In fact, Ryan Robinson caught me in a knee bar the other day. He Jerk. uses all the tape. <laughs> he has to. <laughs> he needs a tape sponsor. <laughs> You're absolutely right. He, he he also uses all everything
0: that he has access to. I don't think it's fair that he's a physical therapist cuz I was wrong with him the other day and he was trying to get my knee too. I'm like I don't like your knowledge of joints. (laughs) I don't like your knowledge of anatomy and physiology. I feel like it's a a disadvantage for me. Like between the tape and your knowledge, you're freaking me out a little bit. I'm gonna go in the corner and just reconsider my life choices for a bit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's much better. Yeah. No, it's. uh, I wish. I think it would make such a difference for people to seek adversity. At least in my experience, anecdotally from what I've seen, the people, the difference between success and not being successful is the ability to just keep going when things suck.
2: And as parents, uh, so it's one thing to seek adversity as athletes or as individuals, but um, as parents, that's where I think it's, it becomes a little bit more difficult because we don't want parenting to be difficult, right? We're always looking for ways for parenting to be easy. And by putting our kids in situations where they have some adversity, we, as a result, also have adversity as parents. And, that's where, as, as coaches, we try to help the parents along through that as well. Mm-hmm. But too many parents avoid the tough stuff as parents. They avoid the conversations. They avoid the experiences. They avoid... I,
0: People in general do that. If you look around, for sure. gonna, if it, if you give a human being a choice, almost always they're going to take the path of least resistance. I saw this in my old job. I would pick a high ground position and... And I would view everything like one of the key tenets early on was always approach from a position that people wouldn't expect you to approach from. Mm -hmm. So if it's a sheer rock face or there's a briar patch, get into the sheer rock face and crawl through the briar patch. But overseas, you'd sit on a high ground, and 99 people out of 100 who have the desire to kill you are going to come down the path, the goat trail, in the wide open, where they easily could have gone and taken some more time and come through a concealed but they don't do it. And their life is literally right. riding on it, and they'll take the path of least resistance. That's crazy, and it, it doesn't work out well it's, for them. But
2: but it's simple stuff too. Like w- when the kids were young, I would say, "Hey, let's let's pack the kids up and go out for pizza." I mean, just terror would <laughs> Travis's face would just go white, <laughs> and he would say, what? No, I don't." Uh, let's just order in. Like, no, let's take them to a restaurant, and he was just mortified. He just he wouldn't want to do that. But
3: I wanted. <laughs> I wanted my kids to be perfect, you know? Yep. And and so the thought of going to a restaurant with, you know, babies, basically, it was just, like, horrifying because I knew we'd be at a table and they'd be spilling stuff oh, and loud it'd and be a food. Hurricane.
2: It was always a path of
3: destruction. And, and, and what, what I realized in hindsight, and thank God for Kisa, and this is, you know, I uh, if it was me raising the kids by themselves, it would have looked a lot different. And I'm not saying it would have been better. I think um, that's true for for Any both of men us. The, like <laughs>
0: specifically if the men were completely in charge it would look substantially different very likely not better
3: and uh but i now realize in hindsight you know they have to have that opportunity like they're not going to get to the place that you want them to be at they don't get a skip you yep. know they 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 have to be taught. They have to be shown. So how do you do that? You can't you can't keep them in the house and shelter them all the time, you know, and then expect them to go out to a restaurant as an adult and have manners yeah. or be able to socialize.
2: But I guess my point in all that is that it was hard for for us as parents. That's a that is a challenge as parents. The kids could care less. They're like, "Woohoo, restaurant." I could yeah. just build shit all over the place <laughs> and color Who's on the walls. Who's this person that brings me more lemonade? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. for for parents, um, that is that's adversity. Taking the kids on on trips together.
3: Um, oh man, it's
0: easy to talk. That, oh, you we can't stress go. Me out? Yeah. Oh, we can't go because fill in the blank. It's too many tickets. Or right. Yeah. No, I know that's one of the easiest ones e- that even in myself. The
2: uh, March before Ted had brain surgery in uh, May of fourteen, and in March of fourteen, we had
3: it. W- it was Good Friday. Oh, sorry. Good yeah, Friday. April, it April fourteen.
2: But in March, we decided to take the kids to. Well, I decided that we would take the kids to Ireland, go see John. You know how long Kavanaugh. that plane
3: ride is?
0: That's a long plane ride. It's a couple hours, right? One or two? Yeah. It I'm was... joking. Just... It, it was probably a couple <laughs> plane rides to get to the
3: Long plane ride. Oh yeah. And, and, and with four kids.
2: Yep. So it was. They were fourteen, twelve, and ten. And then, of course, Joe was 10 at the time. He developed a cough like halfway through the middle of the night <laughs> on the, the plane yes. o- somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean. He developed.
3: Glad they had those little bottles full of uh, elixir because yep. I would not have made that. It
2: <laughs> 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 was bad stuff. But anyway, that was a tough trip. It, it was expensive. Yep. It was exhausting to, to manage everything. It was, but it was important to us to do that before Ted had brain surgery because we didn't know. Yeah. Are we going to be able to take a trip like this? Like, no, you, you have to take, you have to live life to its fullest. It's what I loved about your free range American, um, motto. Mm -hmm. When you explained that to me is we have all these freedoms. We have these opportunities as parents. We have these beautiful children, these wonderful families. What are we going to do? Sit at home? No, let's go see the world. Let's get out there and when we don't know how to do things or we run up against challenges all right let's buckle down and figure it out together and that's that's what we've really tried to do not only as our family as the davisons but also as the gym yeah as the larger SBG community and what we've what we've tried to do with our, that growing is with our kids curriculum is to lay out a really clear plan for anybody to pick it up and to implement it with their kids their kids program their families their all their athletes
3: so where can people find more information on that
2: Growinggirls.com. Yep,
3: yeah. and Kesi gets more of the credit for that than i do just like with the kids because uh, that was really her brainchild and her pulling everything together i mean she she put in all the hard work and that's been years
2: it's been it's been really fun too and recently you know we were we actually purchased our life skills program from someone else, but recently, um, my sister's a writer and I sat down with her and said, look, you know, let's do these, let's do these life skills together. And she's to be able to see, her, so she's my baby sister and I was nine when she was born. So I helped raise her yep. for many of those years. Um, and now to, 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 it's almost like we've gone back in time and we're talking about some of these life skills that, in essence, I was working with her on when she was a baby. That, and I didn't even realize it at the time. Okay, how do I help my baby sister become, you know, a cool adult that I want to hang out with? It's a family affair.
3: You almost got it right with her. She's close.
2: She's really funny.
3: <laughs> she can be, sometimes. I think that's true of everybody.
0: Nobody's funny all the time.
2: I don't know. Uh,
0: my brother's pretty funny. Yeah, he is funny.
2: He is funny. My brother's pretty funny too, all the time.
0: People keep uh, telling me that I need to get him to tell some stories next week oh to tip God. the hat a little bit. Oh um, my goodness! Travis and Ricky and a, a special guest will also be on. Yeah, it's next g- week. It's going to be a good one because two special guests, right? From a special location too. From a special location. Well, I said Ricky and Travis. I can't and tell the-, the additional special guest.
2: Yeah, but I'm think I think there's going to be two additional special guests.
0: I only have four headsets. Yeah, there's
3: going to be people watching, but oh. we
0: could also do two
3: podcasts. No, we, we we will not be doing two podcasts. We will having <laughs> we will be having we will be having people wishing and hoping that they had the opportunity to be on the podcast. Perfect. That's what makes it. Gotcha. That's what makes it cool. Even better, it's exclusive. I like it. What else do you guys want to add? Uh, I, I mean, for all of the, what I don't want people to think is that it it was easy for us or, or that, that we think that, that, uh, it's simple, you know, cause I think sometimes in this kind of a, a, a conversation, it can come across as if, oh, you suck. We're great. And that's not the case. Yep. If anything, I would hope that people realize that, oh, it, it has not been easy for them. This was their you know, it, it's hard, and they struggle, and it's okay to have um, issues and, and to work through them. I'm basically back to what you're saying with adversity. We d- we've we dealt with it. We'll continue to deal with it. That's part of yes, life.
0: It's not okay if those things happen. You
3: should expect them to happen. Yeah. You should prepare yourself for them 100%. to happen. Yeah, and and no prepare, one's going to save you. Yeah, and you should prepare yeah. your kids to experience that because you're not going to be able to protect them. Maybe for a little while you can yeah. shelter them. But eventually, they're going to have to deal with it. And and just like with the five-year-old girl, let's have them deal with it in a a fun, safe way through competition, through losing at games, um, so that when they do hit those big stumbling blocks, like, oh, you know, divorce or death in the family or I didn't get into the college I wanted to get into or I lost my job or something that is much bigger than losing a game of ship to shore... They've got the skill set and the mindset and the attitude to say, okay, reset. This is okay. Last time I faced adversity, I came out better for it. So this time, same thing, head down and get through it.
2: Life is hard. It never gets easier. We just have to get smarter and stronger and more resilient, and we have to keep going.
0: That's all I got. That is all I have for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, first and foremost, the podcast apparel is back in stock and finally shipping again. Full disclosure, I am an idiot, and anybody who knows me directly would probably shake their head and laugh at that because I am, in fact, an idiot. I had a error in the number of items for sale, basically a discrepancy between inventory and actual inventory on hand, but it's back. So if you want to support the podcast by flying the flag and telling people about it, please do that. Go to ClearedHotpodcast.com. clip, clip. Click on the shop tab and go to town. Get a t-shirt or don't. It's up to you. What else? If you could help me spread the word, that would be amazing. Tell somebody about the podcast. Recommend it to somebody for me. And lastly, if you haven't done it, do me a favor. Go to iTunes and write a review. Whatever the review that you want to have up there. If you think the podcast suck, write down, Hey Andy, I think your podcast sucks. And post it and I'll take a look at it. If you have some advice or suggestions for things you think I could do better, let me know. I'll do the best that I can. And that's it. Talk to you next week. Have a very good four-person podcast coming up for Monday and a return guest coming up the week after that. An author, if you will. And that's it. Talk to you later.